1: Welcome back Bears fans to another episode of the Chicago Audible and welcome to our week 15 Chicago Bears post-game show as our Bears hold on down the stretch to keep the season alive as they beat the Minnesota Vikings by the final score of 33 to 27 here as again the playoffs they're still very much right within our grasp and this by the way a stat just to kick things off is the Bears third straight game of 30 or more points scored on offense who in the world Saw this coming uh, at least a month ago. I'm little Dewitt. Joined with me is my co-host Nicholas Moriano. We are here to break down all of the action that unfolded here today between our Bears and the Vikings. And Nick, how you feeling? Obviously, I feel pretty elated here to have ourselves uh, a back-to-back post-game show in which we get to talk about a Chicago Bears victory. Yeah, well, I'm lit. I'm excited here. The Bears
2: are they—they they kept their playoff hopes alive for at least another week and. Of course, as any Bears game, it came down to the very last play to see if that would happen, and it was a, an exciting game all around, and obviously seeing that the Bears came up with the victory makes it that much more exciting. But it's it's a great feeling, Will, to back-to-back weeks be on the winning end of a football game. So I'm really excited, my man.
1: Yeah, excitement is it's finally here. Again, after that dark, gloomy middle part of the season, to be here on December 20th and being excited about Chicago Bears football, I think that makes you and I both very much happy. So let's go ahead and jump into our first quarter of our postgame show, which is going to be our opening drive. And, Nick, as we kind of just kick things off today, what's just your initial just reaction to this game for me? It's one where I'm still very pleased by all the progress that we're seeing on offense. There was a point today where they scored on six straight drives on that side of the ball in this game which again uh, a month ago I would have never thought that was even near a possibility for this team but on the other hand we're starting to see a defense that's continuing to slip and I know there's a couple key injuries today and we'll talk about it but I thought some of the struggles today kind of surpassed those injuries but how about you as we kind of just begin our opening drive where's your headspace at as we kind of kick off this show
2: Yeah, so I've just really like what the Bears have been doing on offense, and sticking with what is now their identity. Well, as we were doing the live stream for this game, we kind of talked about that, where the Bears are a team that likes to run the football with David Montgomery to set up those rollout, those play action passes to make it just make easy throws and decisions for Mitchell Trubisky, and they did that against Houston, did that against Detroit, and they did that a lot here against the Minnesota Vikings. So. I just like the, the identity that's starting to finally form here in Chicago, and it, it seems to cater to a lot of the strengths on this Bears offense for a bunch of players here. So that's what I just really like about this game is that they didn't go away from what they've been doing successful in the past two games, and that, that's rightfully so. That's exactly what they should be doing. And that's what kind of happened here in this game against Minnesota. Why, for the third straight game, they scored over 30 points, which is, again, exciting in itself. But that's what I am most excited about and hopeful for with two games remaining in the regular
1: season, that the Bears not only sustain this success, but continue it moving forward. For sure. I'm excited about what can be in store for us throughout the next two weeks here as we wrap up the regular season. Uh, here in 2020, but moving on, Nick, let's go ahead and just hand out our Miller light monster moments of the game. And for me, I'm actually as concerned. I am about this bears defense. I'm going to give my monster moment to a defensive play, uh, which is going to be that fourth and one stop with two minutes left in the game you had Khalil Mack getting some of that initial pressure on Cousins which helped force a bad throw which was enough for the Bears to turn that ball over on downs giving this offense the ball already in Vikings territory the Bears offense didn't get a first down to really ice the game away but what they did do kill a little bit of time they
0: killed about how personalized can a financial plan be when it's created by one of those robo advisors plugging in standard algorithm to calculate insurance need and future wealth of random human client. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting to know you always comes first. Together, we'll create a financial plan based on your specific goals. Find a local Farm Bureau advisor at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect it.
1: minute, and they are able to get a fuel goal on it, which really helped put the Bears in winning position here today. So for me, the Bears, which at that point, that defense was giving up a a long scoring drive on four, I believe straight drives for them to really hang in tough and get that much-needed fourth and one stop when it mattered most with the game on the line, they did it. I don't know if you... If you don't get that fourth down, you get off the field. How this Bears defense is playing, I think Minnesota had the timeouts. They had the time necessary to perhaps set another scoring drive and perhaps flip the trajectory of that game. So for me, that's why that fourth down stop is going to be my Week 15 monster moment. Nick, how about you? What's going to be your monster moment here for this Bears-Vikings matchup?
2: You know, I'll just take the easy one. I'm going to go the very last play of the game where it's a combination of Eddie Jackson, you know, hitting the football in the air. And when you see that happen as a Bears fan, you're like, this is going to end up somewhere in the Vikings' hands and they're going to lose this game. But then Sherrick McMahon is coming off the ground to get the game-sealing, game-winning interception. And, you know, I think, um, you know, Eddie Jackson said on on a radio show earlier this morning that he's going to try or get a turnover, uh, create some kind of turnover. It was because of his play right there that the Bears got that interception and ultimately won the game because the Vikings, they were at the Chicago 33-yard line, and every quarterback has enough arm strength to get it to the end zone. But I'll just go with that one. Obviously, there's probably a lot of plays that we can look to, including yours, Will, that are deserving of the monster moment. But this one won the Bears the game. They went out, and they keep their their playoff dreams alive just because of this game-sealing interception. So
1: I'll go with that one. Excellent choice there, Nick. Of course, our monster moment is brought to you by our friends over at Miller Lite. And here at the Chicago Audible, our goal throughout the years has always been to bring Bears fans together all across the globe. And that's more important now than ever, especially during this time of social distancing and the holiday season. So whether you're toasting to friends near or far for this Chicago Bears victory, Great Taste is always close by with the original light beer, Miller Lite, who just like us, Aim to bring people together through Miller time. Miller Lite is the only beer of the Chicago Bears. They had a long-term partnership with the team. They've been a staple of Soldier Field for decades. Nick and I, we have many great memories toasting touchdowns with Miller Lights with our friends and our families at home games, chanting, Da Bears! So here's to the Bears. Here's to the original light beer. It's Miller time. No matter where you're watching the game, it's always Miller time here in Chicago. Pick up Miller Lite for your game day needs. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories and 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces. All righty. You're listening to the Chicago Audible postgame show. We're here breaking down the Bears' victory over the Minnesota Vikings. I'm Russell DeWitt. Joined with me is my co-host, Nicholas Moriano. And, Nick, I'm going to go to you next because you already told me before I hit this go live button, you already have your standout stat. So what's your stat for this game that stands out the most to you?
2: Yeah, it's a number 32, and that's not just for David Montgomery's number. It's for the rushing attempts that he actually had this game, easily over that 20 mark where I think a lot of Bears fans were hoping he would get even in the past couple of weeks where he's had success. But the Bears – really relied on david montgomery what he was able to do on the ground his 146 rushing yards two total touchdowns and the 32 rushing attempts look this is, wasn't a game where mitch strubisky was lighting up lighting up people in the passing game only 21 pass attempts and 202 yards they really needed david montgomery to be that guy for them to just get first downs to be a reliable force in the rushing attack so it's easily the 32 rushing attempt 32 rushing attempts is my Standout stat?
1: That 32, Nick, I just quickly pulled up his career game log. Based off of my quick glance, I believe that's a career high. The only next highest I can see is 27, which came in week 7 of 2019, the game against the Chargers. Other than that, I know the previous high this year is 21. So I believe this is a new career high for David Montgomery, uh, which is an interesting timing just considering the fact that, you know, all Bears fans have been clamoring for more and more of him, and we're starting to see him really be effective and efficient with his touches. There's times today uh, where you and I in our live stream, were just like, give it to David. It's third and, you know, goal at the one. Just punch it in with Montgomery. Or if it was like a third and short, and they were like going out with a wide set, we're confused. Like, why would you take Monty – off the field. So for me, that is a really, really good stat to kind of look at here for this game. Uh, on top of that, I want to look at really for this Bears offense. I talked about this early, and it really kind of held true throughout the game. They did a really killer job on third down. They were 6-12, which was 50%. And for this Bears offense that entered the week with the worst third down offense still, I think that's huge, especially because they're going up against the fifth best third down defense in the Vikings. And they also... Speaking of the Vikings, they had the fifth-best red zone defense, and the Bears found themselves still scoring touchdowns on three of their five trips down there. One of them was an interception, which ended up, you know, that's a bad play, and we'll talk about that as it goes through. And the other one, they had to settle for a field goal. So they still they scored on four of their five red zone trips, uh, which to me still a very tremendous feat going up against the NFL's fifth-best red zone defense. And, Nick, I think that's a perfect segue just to jump into the second quarter of our show talk about this Bears offense and obviously uh, for a unit that's been really red hot but we've been taking it with grains of salt looking at the defenses you said it in our preview Minnesota was like I believe the 15th ranked defense via DVOA and usually historically this Bears offense Mitchell Trubisky struggles against defenses of at least this caliber which again I know 15th is average but sadly that's been the case but luckily for us today that really wasn't the case and you talked about it even earlier, and I mentioned it in our live stream, it's that identity that's rolling here week to week. They're not shifting their priorities too much from one week to the other. It's more status quo, uh, steady identity and I think that's really help- enabling them to find a groove, find a rhythm, find some confidence. I think we're starting to see it all kind of play out, right?
2: Yeah, absolutely. well, I think the big thing too that has helped with this offense to kind of sustain sustain this success, you look at this game, there's four penalties on the Bears. I don't think any one of those, if I'm not mistaken, came on the offensive side. They were all defensive penalties, so we're not seeing those false starts, those holding penalties, things that have you know, plagued the Bears in the past and put them behind the chains and made things a little bit tougher for them to run their offense. They either want to run the ball with David Montgomery or use a rollout or play-action pass with Mitchell Trubisky to find someone open in the flat. They didn't have those penalties to set them backwards, which is always going to be a plus for any offense but it was nice to see that side of the ball play mistake free and just play their game they didn't get outside of themselves so bill laser too i think is becoming way more effective as they play college just look there the one play that you were referencing where we saw david montgomery just run the ball i think it was his it was his first rushing touchdown of the day but they were on the goal line and the bears initially come out with five wide we're like Whoa, whoa, what's going on there? There's a timeout that gets called. They come out in a different formation, but Montgomery's, I I think, not in the backfield. Another timeout gets called, and eventually the Bears get to a shotgun with Mitchell Trubisky, David Montgomery to his side, hands off. It's a touchdown. It's like not trying to get too cute outside of yourself. Do what's been working. And David Montgomery, giving the ball to David Montgomery in any way they want to do it, has been working. And that's what I think the Bears just need to continue doing. Play within themselves. You don't have to be the Chiefs. You don't have to be the Eagles with all those different types of offenses. This is who they are. A team that likes to roll out, likes to get Mitch outside the pocket, and is going to run the ball with David Montgomery. So that's what I really
1: liked and still has continued to work these past couple weeks. For sure. When you're looking at David Montgomery's day, again, 32 carries, 146 yards on the ground, which is more than 100 more by himself than the Bears had as a complete team last time they played Minnesota, which again, no David Montgomery that game. He was out with a concussion, whole different offensive line in front of him. There has been so much that has changed for the better with this offense, starting with that identity, starting with that run first mentality. And Nick, That outside zone run that they've been running a lot of has been really effective, Uh, whether it hits home on the strong side of the formation. But Montgomery's confidence, as you can tell over the past few weeks, is starting to really have an uptick. And he's able to keep his eyes up. And he doesn't have to worry about guys in his lap as soon as that ball's in his gut. And this has been enabling him to find those cutback lanes and not only find a single cutback, cutback lane, but like within a play, multiple paths, weaving in and out of defenders, his own offensive linemen, his blockers, to find positive yards. It's not just his ability to fight through contact. He's also avoiding contact. He's also running around guys. And I think I called him during uh, our live stream uh, a slithery snake on a couple of these (laughs) in-between-the-tackles type of runs where he's going left and right, north, not really south. Every time he's moving, he is getting positive yards. He's moving forward, but his ability to just maneuver around – Uh, different people on the field has been tremendous to watch outside of that. Nick, we don't know about the revamped offensive line. We've talked about that in great depth. Is there anything today specifically that you thought just worked well when it came to the bears wanting to run this football? I think it's just the individual efforts from each one
2: of those five offensive linemen look it's been substantially better and I know somebody in the chat commented about Alex Barr it's like we're seeing great individual efforts for from all these guys and that's why this outside zone running works so well where Dave Montgomery if he does see the play where it's intended to go on the strong side of, of the play he'll, he'll take that lane but these offensive linemen are not losing those one-on-one battles, which is also creating the cutback lanes and why David Montgomery's having so much success. But you have to give credit to this offensive line because they are creating push. I think we were saying talking about that too, Will, during the live stream of the game. It's like these guys are pushing the the Minnesota Vikings front seven backwards. There's there's, you know, they're gaining momentum there, and David Montgomery doesn't have to make someone miss in the backfield. It's already there he makes he makes people miss now at the second level which we haven't seen early on this season so i just really like the individual efforts that we're seeing from all the offensive linemen that again goes to what i said earlier there wasn't any penalties from that unit so that's that's always a plus in terms of what you're trying to do offensively staying ahead of the chains and making it easy when it does get to third down or situations like that but the offensive line has come to play and i really liked what they did coming It was going into that Green Bay game, saying going back to what worked in the beginning of the season. It's played dividends. They are playing so much better as an offensive unit as of now.
1: And it's not just the offensive line. We're having that improved uh, blocking game from our receivers along the outside. Tight ends were getting involved. I think you saw a play where Jimmy Graham actually kind of leveled someone, which Jimmy Graham having a few key blocks over the past couple of weeks is a, uh, you know, a tremendous asset to this offense. Cole Komet getting dirty as well. And honestly, Nick, it's not just Montgomery. I mean, he had a great game, and he was the bell cow today. But, like, Mitch, he was finding opportunities to make plays with his feet. He's getting comfortable. It's looking like that 2018 Mitch where he's kind of had – The green light, obviously last year with his shoulder injury, that kind of does go to the wayside, but he's out there having strong runs himself. He's running through guys, lowering his shoulder, not going down easy, but still protecting the football with two hands, not really exposing it to turnover. Mitch had a couple of really strong runs, the one that he almost got a touchdown on, and even that QB sneak where it was like third and one, third and inches. It was like a barely an inch, like it was a centimeter. And he's out there. He didn't get it in the first effort, but if you watch that replay when they're doing the, the measurement, he's still churning his feet. He's still trying to move forward because he knows he's not down. It's those types of efforts from everyone that's really inspiring to watch here. And even Darnell Mooney with that 16-yard run, Nick, that play, the Bears kind of showed that wrinkle a few different times, and mostly they would give it to Montgomery. But then you had that one where you quickly – put it into Mooney's gut, you fake it to Monty the other way, defense gets sucked into number 32, and then Darnell Mooney has himself a nice gain on the ground, too. It's awesome to see an offense where there's plays built upon plays, right? There's a play within a play, and the defense has to kind of choose one or the other, and of course, they're going to try to stop David Montgomery, but then Mooney, with his speed, can get to the edge quickly and head upfield. There's just so much to like right now when it comes to this Bears offense, which is, It's this weird to say, and it's starting to feel real. It's starting to feel substantive, and I'm glad we get to talk about it. Absolutely. Well, in that play that you were mentioning with the Darnell Mooney run, that I think that
2: 16 yard gain, that's the one where Jimmy Graham has a key block on that play. So, yeah, it's a lot of guys just executing, actually executing the play to what it's intended to be, and that's why you're seeing seeing good gains on whatever play that the Bears are running and. Yeah, like you, it, it is weird to say because for so much of this season, it was like, all right, how how long is this offense going to stay on the field mm-hmm. this time? Is it going to be another? Like, how many three and outs are the Bears going to get consecutively in, in a game? But that's not the case. And ever since they've kind of found who they are, what they like to do best, things have actually been rolling and been red hot, like you said earlier, Will, on this Bears offense.
1: Nick, we saw pat o'donnell out there within the game's first two minutes and we never saw him again wow like yeah when you mentioned pat o'donnell I'm like did did he play
2: today like I, I just you just don't even know because and that's again credit to
1: everything the bears are doing offensively to not have as many punts as they've been having yeah and it's nuts like we like that very first drive happened right you got the seven yards you couldn't punch it across and it was like okay is this going to be what the game's going to be like, or are we going to adjust and the script just didn't work? And they did, because after that point, six straight drives and in points. Six. For this offense, going up against a 15th-ranked defense, that's that's awesome. It, it really is. There's not many other words to put behind it other than that. It, it's, it's really incredible. Uh, let's talk about their passing attack. We talked about it. It's continuing to kind of just be the same that we've seen throughout the past couple of weeks, getting Mitch, the ball on the move, cutting the field in half, giving him limited reads. And I don't even know if that's an excuse anymore, as much as it is what he does best and just sticking to it and not trying to overcomplicate things. And sometimes, you know, it's that kiss thing that we talked about in 2019. You remember that, Nick, the kiss motto, keep it simple, stupid, that are finally <laughs> getting, Back to that, and we're starting to see some dividends here. And Mitch, uh, he hit, what, his first eight passes today? I think that's what we marked him down as, his first eight. Last week he hit his first nine. So I just want to give some credit here as we kind of transition to the Bears' passing attack to Bill Lazor for setting Mitch up early in games to get his confidence up, to give him those efficient throws, not even just baby throws. He was actually pushing the ball down the field today more than we saw a week ago but he was still able to get some nice, easy completions to his playmakers, giving them the ball in space. But also, you know when Mitch hits his first eight passes, nine passes depending on the week, that really has to just do so much for his confidence, his mindset heading into the rest of the game compared to maybe making it a little bit more complicated or taking some of those deeper shots that usually don't work out for this offense so far. And then from there trying to have to figure it out like, oh, no, here we go again. We're avoiding that. Because they're setting up this offense early in games to find success, and then they're able to build off of that. So I just want to give a credit for Bill Lazor for finding a way to get Mitch into a rhythm early in two straight weeks, which I think is probably the most efficient back-to-back openings that we've seen out of Mitch. I would have to look at his entire career, but it feels like it could have been his entire tenure here in Chicago. Uh, back-to-back, two of his best starts is able and able to kind of stack together. What about you, Nick? When you're looking at Mitch, what's going well? Obviously, we have that interception that there's a few things I don't like about that. Uh, We can talk about it in a minute. Don't think we need to gripe on it. But when it comes to the Bears' passing attack today, obviously they pushed it a little bit more than they did against the Texans. What did you like out of that unit today, just like we talked about with the running attack?
2: I think with what you're seeing from the passing attack, once Mitch comes off a rollout, he knows where the ball is going to go. It's not really him thinking where it is, it's like, here's Darnell Mooney on the first level, and maybe if the defense is trying to roll to him, here's Allen Robinson right behind that. So it's these high to low reads, which I think, again, goes to these play action and rolling out, simplifying things to make it just easier on him. So that's what's working, and you're just letting Mitch Trubisky make a simple play happen and just get the ball to his playmakers. Like, there was a play to Darnell Mooney in the flat. He's supposed to get tackled well short of the first down, but he allows what Darnell Mooney does best is like just making the yards after catch. it gets a first down, but it's because Mitch Trubisky knows where he's going to be. It's right there in front of him. He doesn't have to think about it. Balls out. But well, I will kind of. I don't know if I'm going to gripe about it, but I will say the two plays where Mitch the, the worst throws that he had. Obviously, the interception in the back of the end zone. They don't roll at the pocket. He's just a pocket passer on that one, right? So where he has time to think about it, he has the right protection, just makes the wrong decision. Obviously the wrong decision. The other one, there was a pass where the ball, I I think the Bears did not, same thing, didn't roll out the pocket, but Harrison Smith almost comes over with an interception. He's targeting, I forget who he's targeting on the play, but when Mitch is a pocket passer and has time to think about it and the first read is taken away, then we kind of see the same old tendencies. But credit to Bill Lazer. There's not as many opportunities like that. And if they are happening, they're quick, decisive throws and maybe get a few chunk of yardage to then set you up for something else. But it's all a credit to Bill Lazor and this coaching staff knowing, hey, this is what Mitch struggles with. Here's where he excels. Let's just put more plays where he excels. There's a game plan. Like, it seems so simple, but that's what the Bears are finally doing, and that's why they're scoring over 30 points a game in the last three games, which has been, like you said, well, awesome to see.
1: Now – I just want to talk about that interception real quick. There's Obviously, you don't want to make that throw at that point of the game. It was, what, late? Do you remember the the minute or so? I know it was late in the fourth quarter. Bears were in inside scoring position, inside the 10, and we're at a point where you only had a three-point lead, and you're like, either you need to extend it to six or you find a way to punch it in and make it a two-score game. But the last thing you want to do is give Minnesota the ball Right before the two-minute warning, with only a three-point lead, just given how that Bears defense was playing, wasn't that like what, like about three or so minutes left in the game? Three minutes and two seconds. Very similar to the Detroit
2: fumble, mm-hmm. like it yeah, was exactly. around that,
1: that minute mark. Exactly. That's what really kind of you know that had you know flashbacks of that moment, like oh, we're going to squander another one. Except the only difference was that time we had the turnover with our backs against the opponents, and so this time we're knocking on the door of our own and we weren't able to capitalize it. And I know that throw should never have happened, but I don't know if there was a miscommunication or what happened on that play, but you had three, I'll call them receivers. We had two tight ends and one receiver to your left. You had Holtz, Komet, and Horstead. I mean, no, Holtz, Komet, and Robinson. There we go. And they all just kind of ran streaks, like verticals, and they got to, like, the back of the end zone then turned around for, like, a jump ball. That's odd because in a jump ball situation, you want to try to isolate that receiver as much as possible from the rest of the play from the other defenders. That way other guys can't recoup and make a play in that ball while it's in the air. There was three guys very close to one another, just a few yards separating each and every one of them to run that same route. It was really weird. I, I don't like the design of that. And again, I haven't seen a lot of that from the Bears offense. I feel like there's something that happened incorrectly there, but still Mitch should not have made that throw. Should have just sailed that ball to the back of the end zone and then allowed us to get the three points there. Luckily, it didn't end up biting us. That's when the Bears got my monster moment, turning that ball over on downs, but still a a moment that really really worried us for a little bit there, right?
2: Yeah, look, I'm going to say it right now. I don't know why J.P. Holtz is really out there at that moment in time where you're looking to score – the play design to have him and Robinson and you know just guys in the very congested area, the back corner, of the end. So it doesn't make any sense. So person, we've seen some questionable personnel decisions from from Matt Nagy, Bill Lazer so this offense throughout the season. That was one of them, no doubt about it. So from the get-go, who they had out there and what routes they were running didn't work, and obviously the execution of the play didn't work. But what's been so great about this offense the past couple of weeks, they've had less and less of those kind of plays where it's questionable decisions in terms of who's out there running the play and how it's being executed. So, yes, that was a bad play by the Bears' offense, but they had far more um, positive and well-executed plays than, than negative ones. So And, look, Bears winning. I like that little graphic there, Will. Um, right in the middle there.
1: It works perfectly. Oh, I well, centered. There we go. Yeah, I, I don't know, <laughs> Just having fun uh, as – You are making your point. Yeah, and again, it's like we have to talk about it because it happened, and it could have been vital. It it could have been catastrophic, to be quite honest. They could have squandered away this game. But by and large, this Bears offense, they came to play today. Again, six drives in a row that ended at points. They were efficient on third down. They were effective in the red zone. They averaged – both teams actually averaged 6.2 yards per play. And, Nick, if you want to go to, like, play calling in general – When's the last time? Okay, we'll always talk about this. Like, we want to have a balance attack, right? You want to find a way to run the ball more, and that's always been an issue ever since Matt Nagy came to Chicago. I don't think you will find another game. If anyone is listening live and you want to find out for me, I would love to find out now. I have to do some research. But, Nick, they finished with a 2-to-1 ratio from runs to passes. They had 42 runs to 21 passes. So they doubled the amount of attempts on the ground compared to the times that they put it through the air. And I can't remember the last time the bears have done that in a long time. Now, probably Mitch's rookie year is the last time we actually saw that happen, but under Matt Nagy, I don't think we've ever gotten close to this. And I believe, you know, that ability to have an effective attack with running the ball twice as many times as you're actually trying to pass it. That's huge. And I think that's a big reason why the bears won time of possession by six minutes today and why they were able to be effective when it mattered most in those short yardage situations and things of that nature. And, again, they finished with 397 total yards today. Nine yards per pass, too. So when they did have to throw the ball, they were effective. There were a few times when you're like, oh, that's a deep shot, and we got it. I mean, that's when you know you're making the most bang for your buck, both running and passing today. Is there anything else about the Spirits offense? I know there's a lot good, and we can probably talk about it uh, some more. And I'm really curious where your mind's at as we want to kind of guide this conversation yeah
2: so i think even in this victory that we saw um when you look at in terms of who really produced it was kind of you know spread out it really wasn't all too much right because mitch didn't throw all all too often alan Robinson was four catches and 83 yards and you have darnell moody was four catches 49 yards and then the next person's jimmy graham with 25 and you know cole come after having a you know a decent day uh against houston only two catches but still it even though there wasn't maybe the biggest outputs from everybody collectively everybody there's two four six eight nine people that were at least targeted in this game and you know just showing that bill laser obviously they, they really utilized david montgomery in this one but each guy like there's gonna be people that are going to get their targets and i think that's what makes an offense the hardest to defend when at any given moment it could be any any player. We're like, we know when players are gonna go to Allen Robinson. We just do. And they should. And we know when David Montgomery should run the ball, but it's always nice to wear like a Jimmy Graham can leak out in the flat after a rollout and get a nice seven yard gain. Or that could be a Cole Komet. So that's the other thing about this offense that I'm really liking. Just the the versatility that it can have on any given play, on any given down and whatever the situation is, it could be a multitude of people that may get the ball. Unless you're Unless you're putting like a Cordell Patterson in the backfield when it's third and one, you know Cordell Patterson's getting the ball the Bears are not getting the first down. But they've limited those really obvious situations where the defense knows who's getting the pass or the run or whatever it may be.
1: Yeah, and even then, like even if you're spreading the ball around, and it's not like the targets are evenly divided by any stretch of the means. I mean, for the most part, we did a good job where we didn't just go through number 12 today. Uh, Both he and Mooney had five targets apiece, which both tied for the team lead. But even, like, the guys with the one target, one reception. Anthony Miller, one catch, 13 yards. That was a big 13 yards. It was a long third down that the Bears needed to convert. He ran the out route, past the sticks, by the way. And the, he <laughs> caught it, and the Bears were able to move on. And, again, not like he was the focal point of this offensive uh, you know game plan at all, but the fact that they had that one play for him. Like, hey, if we're in a third and long, let's go get it to Ant. And he was able to, you know, come away with that. I think – Having those roles defined and being able to utilize them effectively are really key uh, as well when you're just looking at the, the landscape of things. So really strong stuff from the Bears and really, again, just tremendous. The fact that you're able to just put together consecutive scoring drives one after another uh, long ones, too. You're looking at like a 76 yarder, a 51 yarder, another touchdown from 75, um, as well as uh, another scoring drive from 42 yards out. And unfortunately, one of the other long drives, a 65-yarder, was the interception. But still, finding a way to move those balls down the field and having themselves uh, a lot of success in doing so. I don't know if there's anything more to talk about. There's a lot of Montgomery getting uh, Mitch out there. We talked about it, but it's working. And I hope that the Bears can find a way to take this success yet again, apply it next week, don't change it too much, but change it enough, tailor it to your opponent and their weaknesses, and just go to town and just keep this up. I think if they can just continue to go with David Montgomery as your bell cow and supplement it with the pass. And, of course, Allen Robinson, you know he wants to play next week, going uh, have a big game with the Jaguars going up against his former team. Should be another knock on wood. Strong day from the Bears' offense here in uh, in just about a week. But, yeah, sitting here for uh, a few days before Christmas, Nick, I can't think of uh, a much better gift than this Bears' offense finally having the light bulb go off this past month
2: yeah well and that just you phrasing it that way but it's so true is weird to hear but that's exactly what the bears are doing they're 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 executing an offense finally so uh, i'm not going to gripe about it too much we don't usually see a lot of 30 point you know scoring games from this offense but they've been putting that together so they just need to continue building off what they have been doing well and let's see how they can even evolve it like a little bit as it kind of with these what two remaining regular season games but yeah it's been exciting to watch
1: no doubt all right before we move into the third quarter of our show nick do you want to let people know how they can uh, support our show as we uh we're entering the holiday season uh via some donations that way they can get some shout outs and before we do i just want to let people know based off of the donations that we received over the past couple of weeks uh, i got myself a new lighting system that's coming in here to make my uh My face have a little bit better lighting here for the live stream Um, as well as I got myself. Nick's been having one for a while. Hasn't used it yet, but he has one, a green screen. So I have myself a green screen so we can put some virtual backdrops and really kind of honestly, it's going to help us make our YouTube, our streaming content. Uh, Just that next level, not just for the live post game or the live podcast, but as we go through the season, I have multiple ideas on how I want to kind of use some of this new technology to make more video content uh, out there for you as well. That's not just our podcast. So thank you for everyone who made that possible. And if you want to continue to help us grow our brand, grow our show, Nick, can you let people know how to do that?
2: Yeah, absolutely. How you can do
1: that is you can send us a donation through Venmo
2: or PayPal, And like what you're seeing right here with the video, I mean, this all goes into what Will does on his own time, messing with some software, and it looks great. So if you want to help us out and give us a donation, you can do that on Venmo at the Chicago Audible. should see my name and the Chicago Audible logo, or you can send us a donation through PayPal at www.chicagoaudible.com. Again, either way, um, you could send a donation. We're extremely grateful for that. But if you don't send us a donation and you're looking for a great holiday gift to help also support the show, you can get something at Manscaped.com and use the code TCA to save twenty percent off. Get free shipping. Again, they are a sponsor with us. So and it is the holiday season, and there you go. Will putting up the graphic right on the video stream here. Uh, that also helps us as well. If you cannot send a donation through Venmo or PayPal. But just one last time, Venmo is at the Chicago Audible. PayPal's www.chicagoaudible.com slash PayPal. Is and if you go on manscaped.com and use the code TCA, you'll save twenty percent off and get free shipping. But those are ways to support the show or like Will always says, just tell a friend about us. Like we want to keep growing this brand. Let all these Bears fans know where they can tune in during the game, which we've been doing as of late, just to kind of watch the game or where they can listen to Bears coverage immediately after in our postgame show, so definitely check those out. But again, everybody who's donated in the past and supported us through throughout the years, thank you so much from the Chicago Audible.
1: Yeah, it, it means the world to both Nick and myself. It really, really does. But all right, Nick, we got to do it. We got to jump into the third quarter. And we got to talk about this Bears defense, which again, at the top of the show, and most people listening know there were a couple key injuries in the secondary. No Buster Screen. No Jalen Johnson. But, again, I feel like the struggles that we saw today supersede those injuries. They're not the reason why the Bears allowed 132 yards on the ground to Dalvin Cook. That's not – I mean, it's their job, but it's also like that's a front seven issue if you ask me. Again, 158 yards total allowed rushing. Kirk Cousins had 25 rushing yards today. Again, you know, the the NFL's most mobile quarterback – Therefore, Minnesota really you know, putting us to shame here in a couple key runs. But, Nick, that's where I kind of want to begin this defensive discussion, is Dalvin Cook, because it felt like, at least in the first half, whenever they handed it to him, there was a couple plays where they were able to bottle him up. But outside of those rare instances, he was just going off on us. Did you see anything as to why? I, I think, well, there was a couple plays where he got to – in between
2: what would be the guard and tackle that that b gap there to where again maybe that's people not setting the edge as effectively as they should be and we also noted during the live stream well khalil Mack ran a stunt opened up a nice running lane for dalvin cook because whoever the looper was couldn't get there in time but there was i think it's just a multitude of things honestly I, i but i wouldn't say it was missed tackles like that i didn't think that was like the apparent issue in this game i think it was just execution in terms of Filling the gaps, like we didn't say, and you pointed this out during the live stream. Well, like they're the the Vikings are doing credit to them a good job of taking Roquan Smith out of the equation. And You notice when they do that, things kind of happen for Dalvin Cook in this Vikings rushing attack. And I think the stat that Fox put up there, <laughs> it's a great graphic there. Will um, I think the stat was that he had the most rushing yards in the first half that the Bears have allowed to an opponent seventy around seventy of uh, the seventy mark. And it's a multitude of reasons why. So, yeah, they had success. But like you said, it wasn't because Kendall Vildor was out or in the secondary starting or Duke Shelley. That's the front seven just not executing as well as they did a week ago against Houston and even before that.
1: Yeah, it's one of those, Nick, where we were talking a little bit in the live show. And what I thought Minnesota did a really good job of, uh, more so early in the game as opposed to late, and I'm looking mostly at the first half here, they did a good job of getting Roquan Smith just out of the equation. Roquan's been lighting up offenses here over the past, well, heck, this whole season. And today, they, I think at the end of the first half, he had like one tackle, and they had a, a steady amount of rushes, too. They are just running away from him, getting extra people on him. You talk about Khalil Mack getting double or triple team all the time. Well, Roquan had a couple of guys to kind of combat, and we all know that is one of his weaknesses is fighting through traffic, getting off blocks and they were able to really key in on him and I think they knew if we can just get number fifty-eight contain with Dalvin Cook's speed and a couple of these uh injuries that they're having on the outside, it should lead us to success because again, the last time that they played us, we did stop the run for the most part until Akeem Hicks got hurt. And I was pretty confident in this run defense. And I said it on the preview show, I knew as soon as I give my confidence in them, they're going to totally give me every reason to uh, really kick myself in the rear for even thinking I should have that confidence in them. And I should honestly just switch my weeks or do something or just never give them the edge <laughs> ever again. Uh, I'll talk myself into it week 17, probably, unfortunately. But, yeah, it's just it's just h- tough to watch. And I think that's what really allowed uh, the Vikings to open up their playbook uh, a little bit more, too, today, allowing, you know long runs. I mean, Dalvin Cook, by himself today, he averaged, geez, five and a half yards per carry, and it just seemed like a lot more than that. He wasn't just getting five-yard run or six-yard runs. It was like a couple for no gain, but then he bust one for 10 or 12, and it just was those consistent, big runs that really did hurt this Bears defense today. And the weird part is, too, we had some really strong individual efforts from some guys up front, whether it be Belaw Nichols, the John Jenkins who really flashed today as well, Brent Urban. It was just the Bears... I would say the linebackers and everyone else around the supporting cast, it wasn't a complete cohesive team effort to stop the run like it probably should have been.
2: Yeah. You mentioned those three guys. I would say each one of those guys obviously had a better day rushing or applying pressure to the quarterback than they did in run stopping. And look, like Bilal Nichols is not going to, like we've been talking about all season, not going to effectively replace Eddie Goldman, which they they've seen, and, you know, a lot of these games, they, they miss. But, yeah, those three guys that you mentioned, they were better at applying pressure to the quarterback than they were really stopping the run. And it's just a up-and-down roller coaster with this Bears rush defense. You never know what you're going to get. <laughs> or a box of chocolates, I kind of put mm, myself in that man. situation to say that. I know, I know. But it's that's what it really is with the rush defense. And, it will, obviously, I don't want to go too far ahead, but the Jaguars at times can – Um, you know, run the ball effectively. So we'll have to see which unit really shows up next week.
1: Yeah. And they're, they're very sporadic, inconsistent. So we know there's better, but we know they can play to a a higher level than they showed us today. It's just, it's weird. Like as soon as the bears start putting up a lead is when this defense really starts allowing teams to creep back in. And uh, we didn't have that last week, luckily, but it was another week where it, it is frustrating to see one side of the ball, start to figure things out one side of the ball start to let things slip just a a, a little bit here Uh, when it comes to this defense too obviously Kirk Cousins he did find himself with some decent success 24 35 271 two touchdowns Uh, the pick comes on that Hail Mary so I'm not going to really count it in terms of the stats what was the reason behind Cousins success was it the lack of pass rush we did get three sacks on him but it was inconsistent where We would have a drive with really good pass rush, and then it would kind of just fade away uh, from time to time, which, of course, that doesn't help. Or was it really the injuries in a secondary combination of all three? I know my answer is, but first I want to get yours.
2: So it was definitely like there were some plays where you saw, like they targeted Duke Shelley or Kendall Vildor. That happened on the first Adam Thielen touchdown. Somebody broke coverage somewhere because Adam Thielen's wide open. There's a touchdown, but... I also thought there were some times where, like, the Bears did bring, like, a blitz, and, okay, there's the guy out in the flat. There's an easy completion for Kirk Cousins, and it, it's just, it's free yards. And you saw, what was it, Conklin run down the right sideline, and I think there was a blitz by the Bears, and they just found the right way to attack it, and it wasn't the best effort by Eddie Jackson, but he still gets the guy down. So it was simple things that I think, you know, resulted in Kirk Cousins having a pretty decent day against the Bears and th- it's just there was what five drives well where like you mentioned earlier where the Vikings just scored they scored and the, the Bears defense had no answer for how to stop it or what to do to kind of get there but even though there was pass rush at times I just thought for a majority of the game it wasn't but there were some opportunistic times where you saw Robert Quinn make some make an impact or like, you know, Bilal Nichols get back there, Brett Urban on the fourth down play actually getting Kirk Cousins' face. But I wouldn't say he was comfortable. I wouldn't say that. But he had, he had some moments there where he could just pick and choose where he wanted to go. And when you have Justin Jefferson get over 100 yards, he's going to be a big reason why you're, you know, feeling comfortable in the pocket.
1: Yeah, the Conklin, uh, I know I'm frustrated about one of those big pickups that he had late in this game where – uh, he's out there in the flat, and the only defender that can even make a tackle on him is Eddie Jackson, and he doesn't even make an effort to do so. And we've talked about, what, these are business decisions where he's trying to avoid some of these uh, you know, these contacts to these some of these bigger players, and it's just frustrating to watch, honestly. Like, he was right there to make a tackle, lets up, lets him run past, and then he starts chasing him. Then he kind of trips.
0: Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic. Our first system that detects snoring then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at tempurpedic.com.
1: Even instead of putting, you know, getting on them and making a full tackle, you just let them fall in and- touches him and it's like i think we could have seen a, a little bit more from you there Jack. but th- those just really frustrate me when it comes to the vikings though and their ability to successfully move the ball through the air today i thought one it did come when the pass rush wasn't there uh, or if the pass rush did get there you gave Kirk cousins uh he was able to slip through and have that secondary option or that moment to find another option in that play and another chance and unfortunately for us when he had those chances They usually worked in Minnesota's favor. And then we talked about a couple of the plays already and how Minnesota did a good job of scheming guys open. And I talked about in the preview that mixture of confusion and congestion where they do like to put bunch formations, three guys to one side of the formation, the other, sometimes even four. And what they do is have guys on one side cross, and they just put a lot of traffic in there. And the DBs have to do a tremendous job of, if they're in zone, sticking true to your zone and passing guys off. Or B, if you're in man, really fighting through or, again, trading and passing someone off. And that's tough to do. And there's one third down that they picked up where you had uh, what Shelley and Kyle Fuller to the right side of the screen. And they had two receivers, Justin Jefferson being one of them, kind of in that same area. So Fuller has to take a few steps back in his zone to make sure Jefferson doesn't get open behind him and that opens up just enough underneath for the other receiver to make an easy play with that inside leverage that he had on Duke Shelley. So really, Minnesota just did a good job of, and again, it's unfortunate because we saw a lot of this on the Monday night or earlier this season, scheming guys open and finding a way to exploit or take advantage of the Bears' coverage, and they did that consistently here again today, and hopefully teams don't key in on that too much because I do think it's uh, an issue that could – kind of carry over if teams really want to do that. I think Green Bay did the same exact thing, so really it is more NFC North people who are really starting to kind of do the same congestion, confusion, to really attack this Bears defense, Um, but that's just one other element that I thought the Vikings did a good job of here today, and Nick, for a Vikings moment, just for a second, Justin Jefferson, this kid impresses, man. I mean, he really, really does, and they do a good job of keeping him off of Kyle Fuller, and I think that's strategic, and I can understand why. Looking forward, is he like the guy, or is it Dalvin Cook, or is it the combination of the two that you're most worried about now when we face the Vikings here in upcoming seasons? Because every time I watch Justin Jefferson play, I'm starting to honestly sweat a little bit. I know Jalen Johnson, he struggled against him too the first time by. I just think this is going to be a guy who ends up being a, a nightmare to kind of combat two times a year from this point forward.
2: Yeah, he's a, he's a really good football player, and obviously just being a rookie, he's been really impressive. But I think once the Bears get Eddie Goldman back, that rush defense will be a little bit better, more consistent maybe is the word I want to want to say there. But it's going to be a matchup for Jalen Johnson and Kyle Fuller for years to come because he is a darn good football player. And I, I would say I'm more worried about him than I am about Dalvin Cook because this was like the one game out of what, the last four that the Bears really couldn't contain Dalvin Cook. He had a day. He had a good day against the Bears' rush defense. But the previous times, the Bears' defense usually did a job against Dalvin Cook. And they also had Eddie Goldman playing. It's a huge part of this stopping the rush defense. But I'm going to say Justin Jefferson's going to be the guy that, you know, I might have to just pick up in fantasy too and start him on the Bears' defense. He can put up some numbers. Hey, now. I know. you already have I know, a few it's
1: true i do i have to add this to your chart too like when you abandoned the do live it. stream when i need you to babysit for five minutes i was, the cookies will like
2: you're asking too much there. they were delicious and they were what i forgot there i forgot what, why they were special but they were without some they were healthier
1: that's what it was but they were they were good cookies well i had to no know. butter maybe organic flour a flour substitute you have no idea I have no idea. Stephanie got them, and
2: they were it was a organic, a lot of organic stuff, but they tasted really good.
1: Hey, well, there you go. At least, you know, that's an extra bonus uh, for you here uh, this <laughs> afternoon, and maybe you can have a victory cookie uh, when it's all said and done after the show. I hope there's any left,
2: actually. I, I think Dan, Sam, my brothers, just tore into them during the game while we were doing the live stream, but I hope there is one left.
1: Anything else about this? the Bears defense from today I think I want to look at a few individuals if you don't mind I think we have some time to do so but is there any other big picture items that you wanted to discuss you know the
2: only other thing is that we talked about like the Vikings had an answer for when the Bears blitz and the Bears don't blitz very often they're just not a very blitz heavy team under Pagano and really weren't a blitz heavy team under Fangio but even if you look at, what was it, Conklin's touchdown pass, that's a blitz happening, but there's nobody out in the flat to even get him down. I think Kyle Fuller has to chase him from behind, but by then, he's already in the end zone. So it's like when the Bears are bringing it, at least today, the Vikings knew when it was happening and they had an answer for it. So as we kind of go and see these last two games between the Jags and the Packers, you have to get out of that tendency when you where, where it's becoming too obvious for Chuck Pagano to bring the extra pressure because, you know, the the Vikings knew and they had an answer for it. So that's what I kind of want to see improve from this defense. A lot of other things as well. You can't give up 27 and, you know, before the Houston Texans game, 34 points to the Lions. You got to do better on that end, but got to have an answer. You got to be smart when you blitz and make sure they can hit home or teams like the Vikings or whoever are going to take advantage of it.
1: Yeah, nope, They uh, they really are. And the Vikings, I mean, this is about where they they average though, that twenty seven or so points per game. Uh, unfortun again, usually the Bears defense, so you you think they're gonna hold them a little under, and they did just come off a fourteen point outing against the Buccaneers, and I just think they just know how to attack the Bears defense. It, nothing really changed uh, in terms of how they did it. Uh, I mean, yes, they got more productive on the ground than I really thought they would be, uh, but that only helps them uh, whenever they do want to put the ball through the air, and really when they did. Not a lot changed. I was surprised with Adam Thielen not getting uh, as active. Um, But, again, sometimes you're not in the game plan. Sometimes defense can take you out. And the Vikings did a good job of just getting production elsewhere from their backup tight ends, Dalvin Cook as a receiver, and some other smaller options. So the Bears, again, they had a lot to deal with here today. Looking at some individuals, I want to talk about those two young DBs real quick. You have Vildor, Duke Shelley. I know each of them had their moments of uh, you know the ups and the downs, the peaks and the valleys today. But by and large, Nick, do you think they, I'll say, got the job done uh, as the phrase I'll kind of frame it as or not? And then also, any if you're going to go negative, find a positive with them because I thought, spoiler, their open field tackling by both of them today were on point.
2: That was a, a huge plus to see out of those young guys because – it's not easy to get down to Adam Thielen or Jefferson in the open field, but I thought there were some positives. I know that they gave up the the touchdown to Adam Thielen's wide open. You can't have that. But we were also talking in the live stream, Will, where the Vikings are running a play to the left corner of the end zone. They have a you know a single or a low to high read basically. Kendall Vildor sees the the low read, but he sees someone's there. But he then backs off of it because there's someone behind him. And the ball's not near the receiver. But still seeing that from Vildor to not just, you know, get baited on anything that he sees in front of him, knowing what his assignment is in the zone and is able to, you know, back off of that and then play defense behind him, that was awesome to see. That's a fifth-round draft pick, a rookie that you're hoping can make contributions later down the road. And that was great to see, but Duke Shelley is a small guy like I was standing next to him at Bears fit he's a little bit bigger than I am but him making those tackles in the open field on these bigger guys that's that's impressive to see just throwing his body out there and look he got injured on the play he comes back the the very next one is able to stay in the game and not be a liability out there did they have a couple coverage busts probably when we watch the all 22 we'll see a, a bit more but the Vikings capitalized on one big one it did go for for a touchdown but I liked what I saw from the young secondary players that hopefully can make a name for themselves and be part of you know what makes the defense in, in the back end a good one because they this is not an easy unit to guard with,
1: with the guys that they have for the Vikings, but I would say they did a pretty decent job. The reason why I asked is because when you look at the cap situation, they could make a cut of Kyle Fuller, and I would hate to see it and save some money. So you could potentially be looking at you know, Vildor on the outside, Shelly replacing Screen and Nickel, and then Jalen Johnson on the other outside. That could be potentially the future of this secondary. So this is a, I thought, again, peaks and valleys, definitely a little bit of both today, but this was a very tough test for them. And I thought maybe they didn't ace it, but they didn't fail it. And I think that's really important here at, at this stage of both their careers. Um, outside of that, quick shout out, for Don uh, Jenkins, I mentioned he had himself a couple of big games here today, and I had an AirPod die, so I'm gonna switch real quick. Nick, so don't speak, <laughs> just keep your mouth shut. Maybe, hold on. There we go. Okay, we should be all back in business now, which is exciting. Except, I think it picked up on the wife's phone and started her Spotify. So that's awesome. <gasps> can, I, can you speak real quick? Yes. Can you hear me? We'll yep, We're all good. All right. Again, when you do streaming for five hours now, four hours now, it uh, those things tend to die. So getting back to business, John Jenkins, he had himself a really strong day-to-day, four total tackles. There was one drive in particular where he really flashed. Uh, early on the drive, he got a very good bat on the ball, put the ball straight up in the air. The Bears, Danny Trevathan, almost had themselves a really big play there with the interception, but later in the drive, Vikings go for it on fourth down anyway, and he's the first man in there to get Dalvin Cook for a tackle for a loss. So, or actually no game, but it turned the ball over on down. So it really didn't matter. So John Jenkins is one uh, that I want to get a shout out to two Bilal Nichols, three quarterback hits, seven total tackles from number 98 today, which is tied for the second most on the team. So for a guy playing up front, he was, uh, he's continuing to really trend in the right direction At a really opportune time for this defense and I'm loving the direction he's going. And then the last one for me, uh, I'll, I'll save it for you. I I, I guess, because you did talk about it on the preview show. So I won't steal your thunder uh, as they say. So take that one away.
2: Yeah. And we all know that guy that you're going to mention is Robert Quinn. He, he actually showed up today, guys. Maybe it wasn't the biggest game from him, but he was winning those one-on-one battles really with that left tackle that the Vikings had and doing his, patented jump chop block and not just getting stalemated after doing that move but being able to bend and still get to Kirk Cousins and the the sack fumble too bad the Bears couldn't recover that but we saw some life which is more than what we we've seen from Robert Quinn for really this entire season and if this is the point in the season where he's finally going to show up where the Bears need their pass rush the most with two games left then You'll take it. You'd rather take that than, you know, not see anything from him at all. But I think we saw some decent plays in this yeah, game do. from from Robert Quinn. I'll, I'll definitely say that.
1: There you go. Sorry, I don't know if the internet chopped, but the pause, and I usually try to fill out those voids pretty quickly. So didn't mean to jump in on you there, Nick. Uh, speaking of Khalil Mack, obviously he had himself, I thought, a pretty decent game. I mean, it wasn't like a all-dominating world performance, but obviously – he had himself some key moments as well, right? And he's someone that is also starting to pick things up here at the later stage of the season.
2: Yeah, and it's, it doesn't always have to come on the actual pass rush from Khalil Mack because if you look on the 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 fourth down play where it's Brett Urban in, in um, Kirk Cousins' face, it's Khalil Mack jamming the tight end and then realizing, I'm going to stay with him. And guess what? Kirk Cousins has nowhere to throw that football on fourth down where the, the Vikings need it most to stay on the field. And Brett Urban appro- applies the pressure, and the ball is nowhere near the tight end. Bears take over on downs. are able to get the, the game basically sealing field goal from Cairo Santos. So Khalil Mack impacts the game on so many different levels. But, yeah, just like maybe a Robert Quinn, but definitely Khalil Mack is getting not, – not that he's, he hasn't been – good all season but we're starting to see those impactful plays a little bit more often the ones that we're accustomed to seeing um as of late and which is great to see for this bears defense and that pass
1: rush the only thing that surprises me is after everything we saw today they don't have the bears down for a single tackle for a loss like everything must have been no gain or forward which is again it's interesting you feel like i i I know sacks you can look at them as a tackle for loss if you want but they're a different statistical category but outside those three sacks nothing went Negative, which I think is a, a big reason. Again, testament and kudos to the Vikings because they were able to get Roquan Smith, a lot of people in front of him. And then even Danny, even Akeem Hicks, uh, too, they were finding good ways to, to kind of negate his presence out there, too. He only finished with one tackle. He did have three hits on uh, Kirk Cousins there as well, which. I think there's one that was real gnarly, which is kind of, again, every time you can watch the Bears beat around the quarterbacks, always a, a lot of fun. But, Nick, I don't think I have anything further on the Bears' defense. I didn't want to point out that they did have two fourth-down situations. I would say some key ones. One, one of the Vikings felt like they really needed one to get back in this game. And then, of course, another one with the game kind of on the line. And they found a way to get both those stops. So even though the Bears' defense gave up a lot of yards, they did give up uh, multiple scoring drives when their backs were against the wall. They didn't break. They did bend. They bent a lot, but they didn't break, at least when you look at the whole encompassing game here. Any final thoughts on the defense?
2: It needs to be better. I'll say that. We'll, um, you know, giving up 27. Like you said, it was the average for the.
0: Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com.
2: Vikings, but we need to see this unit become the one that we saw, you know, early on in the season where it was pretty stout, doing a lot more bending and not breaking, especially in the red zone. So you can't give up, you know, five straight scoring drives to, you know, the Jaguars or the Packers. He's last two remaining weeks and um i think if you could get that effort from the defense that the offense is giving man you're gonna be it's gonna be tough to beat the bears to be completely honest it really is so let's see that unit actually get on par with what the offense is doing as of late i know that sounds weird but if you do that this is a a team that you don't want to face with these with playoff hopes still alive so let's see it happen
1: let's see it happen nick let's move into the final quarter of our show and let's begin with our uh, quick hit here on special teams obviously i think some of the biggest news here is uh santos remaining uh i'll say perfect as of late 22 straight field goals made for him his percentage now is like about 91 92 on the season obviously that's the biggest plus i don't know if you want to break down Fuel goals and ball placement and the thud that you hear like we went all the way back in 2019 when we were getting really uh, in that murky kicker territory. But still, uh, it's a blessing here to have on this team uh, someone that's being as consistent as Santos has been uh, for this Bears team for, gosh, uh, quite some time now. Is there anything else on special teams that you want to uh, mention? The only other thing, well, obviously,
2: just to continue with Santos, he's in the same conversation as Robbie Gold with the record being 26 straight field goals. So that's what, you know, Bears fans are hoping that he can maybe break, meaning that, you know, he's staying perfect throughout the rest of this season. And then also we saw it was Anthony Miller as the punt returner. Um. It, again, we've seen him at times when the Bears have had to replace guys due to injury or whatever it may be, but it was Anthony Miller there who is the punt returner, and we're seeing teams, as they should, just kicking away from Cordell Patterson. So uh, I think that's going to remain throughout the remainder of the season with the Jags and the Packers. You still want to give that guy a chance, but that was really the big thing on special teams, and we also talked about it earlier. You mentioned it, Will. Uh, you know, Mega Punt, Pat O'Donnell, one, one punt attempt. And you wanna see that happen. He's been getting he's been getting to workload throughout the, you know, the when the season starts. Try to give him a break. Yeah, really his career. That's a really good point. Um, it's time to give him a break. Let the offense kinda of do its thing and uh, you know, give Pat O'Donnell a, a good deserved break because
1: this offense's been rolling like we were just talking about earlier. I, I still can't believe we saw O'Donnell about a minute and forty seconds into this game and we never saw him after the fact. Uh and honestly the Bears weren't even in a possible punt situation. Uh, so every time the drives were kind of stalling, we're already deep into uh, Vikings territory. So, again, testament to the Bears' offense for making that uh, a non-factor for the Bears today. Uh, Nick, it's time to call an audible. Uh, I'm curious, which moment of this game would you like to have a redo on? Uh, and, yeah, it's your turn to go.
2: Yeah, that's a good one, Will. I think i'm looking at this game like what kind of um some that you want to have back like the the interception by mitch is you know a clear one that i think makes a lot of sense but yeah you know we'll just stick with that because i think the decision itself was i would go back to just changing the, really the personnel like we were talking about earlier why jp Holtz is in the game why are two people in the same spot and why is mitch making this this kind of decision where it's it's just forcing things Um, you take that away and maybe it is just a more conservative play call you you end up getting maybe a field goal out of the situation at worst but it was something that you know we we saw and you just had a lot of question marks about it not just in the decision but really every which way it was executed and the people that were executing the play so that's one I just call an audible uh bill laser get another opportunity to call that with maybe different personnel and with obviously different routes because how many people are going to want in one condensed spot in the left corner of the end zone and then you're just kind of wanting your quarterback to to kind of throw a jump ball in that situation which doesn't make sense so that's one I take away it's an obvious
1: one but what are you kind of thinking about Will I mean that's really the good news is there's not many of those types of plays I can't remember the exact point of the game but I know it came on a scoring drive and maybe you could help me here Nick but that really BS call um, against, I think it's Vildor on that pass interference that extended that drive or the legal contact, whatever the call was. Uh, again, I had the volume pretty down here during our live stream on my side. Whatever that was, I would like to take back because, I mean, I get it. It's a Bears game. We're going to have something go against us that probably shouldn't have. But I feel like on defense, without that, perhaps that drive does end of points.
2: So that was on the 11-play, 75-yard drive that ended in a touchdown. It was on a third-and-five play, uh, and Kendall Vildor, what I thought just played pretty good coverage on Adam Thielen, but gets flagged for it, The Bear, and the Vikings score what looks like five play, six plays later with a touchdown mm-hmm. to Conklin. So and they made it, it a three-point game.
1: They made it a 30-27-point to 27 point game if they would have got off the field there. Uh, it could have changed, uh, again, how the— rest of this game went again luckily we finished with the with the victory here but i do feel like that third and five penalty was pretty large so if we're looking at another one to maybe take off the board and try again that would be the one for me all right nick this one may not be a surprise for most people but we got to make it official man who's going to be the mvb here again i don't think there's really more than one clear-cut answer so we, we can say it on the count of three all right, one, two,
2: three. Patrick Cairo Scales. Santos. Oh wow, we're we both, both went opposite. Uh, no, but the answer is David Montgomery. Let's let's be serious. Right. I knew you were gonna do that too. I just knew it. <laughs> when when did we both uh, say David Montgomery last time? Was it the Lions game? I forget. But we also had a game. Probably been where... a few
1: times. We've been pretty uh, in much in agreement lately. But the Bears have been making it real easy, or I guess real difficult, to make multiple cases for mvb so i think david Montgomery is a clear cut answer here i mean he was all over the field today again and just in case you forgot he ran the ball 32 times career high 146 yards two touchdowns on the ground and he was just a a tear for this vikings defense so uh david Montgomery, that's not that's not tough
2: yeah it's not that was an easy decision on our part but it's finally they're utilizing him in the way they should be being utilized honestly just rushing the football wearing down a defense and he only had one reception for 16 yards well I know he can obviously impact the game as a as a receiver out of the backfield but like there's just so many different ways that he can hurt a defense and he's really showing it as of late he's been one of the better running backs in the entire league in what he's doing on the ground and Credit to the Bears making the switch on the offensive line and just the overall unit really executing and hitting on all cylinders. But, yeah, it's an easy one. David Montgomery is the MVP.
1: You know, it's so weird. Again, we're Bears fans, and we don't, we're do not we not used to, and it's odd for us in general, but we're not used to running the ball, even though that's been our identity our whole lives. And I was so micro-focused on those 32 carries and seeing it as a career high. I'd even check if his 146 on the ground was. It is.
2: Okay, then the one against the Chargers has got to be pretty close, I would assume. But, yeah, I mean, look, Dave Montgomery had a career day in terms of rushing in uh, the yards and also the carries, which is great to see. And two touchdowns again for Dave Montgomery. He's yeah. He's been on an
1: absolute tear. It's been uh, the previous was that game, the Chargers game, so you're right on it. He had 135 that game, so he surpassed that. And I know that everyone's excited that this is back-to-back 100-yard games for uh, David Montgomery, but also that makes three of his last four games with 100 yards on the ground. I think that's a bigger picture uh, to kind of take a look at this because, again, he's been just so consistent since he came back and how they've retooled this offense. So really tremendous stuff there Montgomery, very much deserving of our MVB honored here today but Nick it is time for you guessed it it's time for the two minute warning over here so Nick as we jump in for our two minute warning uh do you want me to go first today and kind of change things up let's do it will you go first take it away all right so for my two minute warning hey like I said it's December 20th and the Bears playoff hopes are still alive which is exciting. We're talking about back-to-back wins here. And yeah, I'm still disgruntled that they put themselves in this bad, bad position after starting the season five and one, but at least they're starting to turn the corner. They're playing with passion. They're playing with purpose. And more importantly, on offense, they're playing with a sense of pride, which we've been waiting for. And also a sense of identity. It really does help when you know who you are. So you can be your true authentic self and just go out there and execute. And we're starting to see that here with the Chicago bears, Offense. I just want to give one more shout out to Bill Lazor. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep finding ways to get Montgomery his touches. Keep finding ways to get Mitchell Trubisky his confidence that he needs each and every week. And keep spreading that ball around to all your playmakers. I think everyone's very excited about what you're doing here with this side of the ball and again three straight games right that's what we wrote down three straight games with uh, 30 or more points scored just by the Bears offense that's not special teams that not the defense helping out as well this is just the Bears offense defensively you hung in there today you had a couple key injuries you're battling through but you found a way to get it done obviously you're probably let down just like we are but find a way to turn that one around quickly don't let the Jacksonville Jaguars be a team that uh, that puts some stuff up on you. Go back. Let's have another effort like we did against the Texans next week because that can give everyone a lot of confidence heading into that big, knock on wood, that big Week 17 matchup against the Packers. As a Bears fan, I'm excited. I hope you are too. It's fun to talk about winning Chicago Bears football, and it's fun to talk about – the potential chance to get into the dance and talk about a Bears playoff game again we've been doing this podcast for six years but we only talked about one Bears playoff game ever and that was the double doink and I want to add more to our resume so the fact that we're here and we have a chance to me at this stage it's enough to put a smile on my face and I'm excited to see what's going to come of it here in the next two weeks I know the Cardinals are winning right now but uh, we'll see how it continues to shake out. But Nick, over to you. What's going to be your two-minute warning? Yes. Yeah, so look,
2: today was a playoff game for the Bears, and they got hit with some punches by the Minnesota Vikings. Like I said, five straight scoring drives and a critical turnover at the end by Mitch Trubisky. But what happened? The Bears took those punches and were able to still win this football game. And in the process of you know that six-game losing streak, and they they found. Really, their offensive identity, and that's put them in obviously these situations to put up some points and just win in back-to-back weeks and put up thirty points plus doing so. So, look, they they put themselves in a disadvantage with how that the last what eight weeks went, but now they're in a spot where yes, they do need help from the Cardinals who are down nineteen to fourteen, or the Cardinals are up nineteen to fourteen on the Eagles, but now they they just need to keep doing what they're doing to see if they can are really i guess in a position to make the playoffs it's all on them and obviously some help from from the 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 cardinals losing but i just like what i'm seeing offensively it's just it's a holiday season should you be happy about like what's going on just not just in, in, with your football team but in life and i think when the bears win each and every one of us even though maybe some people are rooting for draft position i get that or wanting to see matt Nagy out ryan pace out i get that too But it's also nice to enjoy seeing the Bears win some football games. And, you know, whether you celebrate Christmas or not, like the holidays are here. Enjoy this time. And there's been, like Will always said, there were some dark times that we went through, those six weeks of straight losses, back-to-back wins. And the Bears are, I wouldn't say the best position, but they're in a position to possibly make the postseason. And I think with how the season's gone, how 2020's gone, Think you'll take that so i'll just wrap up my two minute warning i'm you know i'm excited i'm excited to see what these two weeks bring for the bears and see if they can just keep
1: this momentum going great timing there nick that's gonna do it for this episode of the chicago audible again the bears win they beat the vikings 33 to 27 david montgomery has a career high in rushing attempts rushing yards and the bears continue to remain in the very thick of the NFC playoff picture. I want to thank everyone who is here throughout our live stream of the game, our live stream here of the post-game show, and, of course, everyone who's listening to the podcast. Just know that you are very, I'll say ultra, appreciated by both Nick and myself. Make sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel if you haven't already. Make sure to rate and review our show on Apple Podcasts. That way we can reach more Bears fans just like you. And, of course, my favorite reviews always go on our website under ChicagoAudible.com/slash reviews. So another fun reason to do so. Up next, it's going to be a short week. Uh, Christmas, of course, kind of falls earlier. So Nick and I are going to have to kind of move our preview up, expedite it just a little bit. But of course, it is Jaguars week, which Nick, you know why this week means a lot to me? Why is that? Well, the first time I ever met you in person was during a Bears-Jaguars game. We worked with each other for over a year and we finally got to meet one another in person to go watch a bears game. Unfortunately, that was a bears loss, but they were playing the Jaguars. So it always brings a very fond memory of the first time that you and I actually got to meet in person.
2: Yeah. I'll never forget that day. It was, it was an awesome experience despite, like you said, the outcome, but yeah, now the bears Jags.
0: Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo smart base from Tempur-Pedic. Our first system that detects snoring then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com.
2: It has, uh, it has meaning. And like you said, it has meaning for probably Alan Robinson too. But that was a great day, and hopefully the Bears can just change the outcome this time around.
1: Absolutely. And on top of that, too, you know, revenge game for Alan Robinson, revenge game for Mike Glennon. So we'll see uh, which one means a, a little bit more. I think we all know what the answer will be, but we'll talk about it here throughout the week. But until the next time you hear from Nick and myself, number one, have an excellent Victory Monday, two in a row. Make sure to take some time to enjoy it. And, of course, bear down, Chicago. <laughs>